In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Okay. Okay. No. They're puppets. No, and <laughs> Muppets are puppets. This is kind of- <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulk Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnaw Podcast. You know, uh, Kiko, Cody, and I were talking. We were waiting out front for you while we woke to wake up. To wake up, we were gonna start our own podcast of uh, waiting for Kiko <laughs> to yeah. wake up. Or it was no, it was just we we're gonna put together Sorry, a special guys. episode. Yeah, every, so every time we're standing outside waiting for you, so that's every week. We'll we'll go ahead and like record, you know, five ten minutes, however long we're standing outside, and then we'll stitch it together for like a four hour. Uh, I'll just episode. I'll just make y'all a key so you can come in. <laughs> yeah, we'll just be hovering over you while you sleep. Kiko, it's time to it's time to talk. <laughs> come talk about movies. Yeah, you can whisper sweet nothings in my ear and wake me up like that. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. <laughs> that that would be weird. <laughs> that's the, that's the point. <laughs> Have you this, ever, uh, um, like, just? Been around somebody that's like the, I mean, because you're not a morning person, right? No, no. I mean, I kind of am. I kind of like, like got drilled into me, so to speak, uh, working the early shift so long, right? But then, like, when you try to do something with somebody who's not a morning person, and you're up at like eight a.m. on a Saturday, and then they won't get up till like twelve, doesn't <laughs> it just like screw your whole day up? Either that or where you're all chipper in the morning and the other person's just, like, dead inside. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm always, not... That's I'm, always fun one. That sounds pretty personal. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't drink coffee. I don't either. So, uh, I don't I don't know the, the thrill or the agony of not having your morning cup of coffee. Mm, I don't really drink it either. I, I, I go for a nice uh, cup of chai tea instead. Oh, fancy. Exactly, but weren't the, weren't you drinking Gatorade last week? First thing in the morning, Child, I, I would drink a Coke if I if I had one right That's now. That's what I've got right now because I'm <laughs> healthy and it's good for my voice. But uh, anyway, welcome to episode thirty eight of the Cinesnot Podcast. I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania, and I'm Kiko Martinez. So it's the week before Oscars, um, the day after Valentine's Day, the week before the week before Oscars. It's a special day. <laughs> I don't know. What, does that mean anything? Not really. Os- I don't really. Oscar's Eve. Os- Not really. No. It's like uh, half a fortnight to the Oscars. <laughs> That's what the that, I went to Walgreens right before I came here, and they've already taken down the Valentines and put up half a fortnight to Oscars decorations. Oh, oh really? Is there a big uh, half a fortnight to Oscars section? <laughs> it's uh, yeah. They all they got all the chocolate Oscars and all the parody candies. Come on. <laughs> You can you can figure some out. Come on, some out. Come on. Candies, come on. This, candies. Is right, this is right up your wheelhouse, Cody. <laughs> what do they got for the for the big Oscar 
films this year. Uh, weren't we trying to do this last week? <laughs> we were week? trying to come up with, with, with dishes. For, dishes, that's what it was. For... Uh, for for like Oscar themed for this year, mm-hmm. which is hard, which is difficult when you try to put it into this year's because then you you only have a select. See, last of... year we had like twelve layer dip years a slave or something. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> that one probably wouldn't fly very well. Uh, what about this year? What do we got? Like the the Grand Budapest. What was the one we had? Know. That like the Grand uh, Budapesto. Oh, that's what it was. That's what hotel. It was. Yeah. Or uh Grand Budapest or chicken. Yeah. Uh you only got to have a couple words in there for it to work. Yeah, but it has to be it can't just be all clumsy like, you know, you know, <laughs> like uh I don't know. Like soyhood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh God, this is we 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 stalled on this like talking about it somewhere else and now we're, <laughs> we're doing the same right now. It's just too early for me to. I mean, like once we get going in the show, then the puns just will pepper start the out. pepper the show with them as you oh, come that's up a good with idea. them. Okay. So just hey guys, I gotta stop for a second. And... Yeah, that'll go over well, but I'll I'll go for it. <laughs> like uh, cool whiplash. Uh, uh-huh. Cool whiplash. Cool whiplash. Yeah, but you can't just serve a tub of cool whip. <laughs> Have you tried it? It's good on its own. No, I, I have not. You've I'm, never eaten Cool Whip on its own? No. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Because I just, that's not something that normal people do. <laughs> well, we had the imitation crab game that I came oh, up with last time. Oh, that was time. it. Yeah, imitation crab game. When I was little, I used to love eating the um, strawberry glaze. You know that strawberry bag of strawberry glaze? Oh, it just looks like a bag of blood or something. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's the first thing that pops into your head when you see strawberry glaze. Yeah, I used to love uh, Cool Whip on. My mom would make Jello pudding. Oh we'd, yeah, we'd make little uh, parfaits with it. Oh, that... the one time because she'd always make the instant pudding. Pudding and, or Jello? No pudding. Oh okay. Um, and it would, uh, you know, it'd just be ready to go. You know, you put it in the free fridge and chill it. But have you ever had like real pudding? Yeah, yeah, with the with yeah. the skin, mm-hmm. that's fucking weird. That blew my mind as a kid. Hey, hey guys, <laughs> oh, about, got one. What about Fox Catchatory? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Like it, All right. like it. Now I don't know if I can make that for an Oscar party. What if we just had like a like a six foot sub and called it Big Hero Six? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a little too easy though. He's still waking up. I like it. Uh, for appetizers, uh, just little hors d'oeuvres. You could have American cheese sniper. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too easy. <laughs> tangerines. What? Tangerines is a, a foreign film that's nominated. <sighs> um. I don't think that's going to go over well with the guests. We could have uh, we could have like a mystery dish, and, and we could call it Ida. Know what to call this? Mm. <laughs> Is that, but you've been pronouncing it wrong. Ida, Ida no. <laughs> Damn it! Fuck. All right, uh, you're going to work on that as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. But uh, for right now, let's go ahead and move on to news. It's time for the real rundown, recapping this week in movie news. Big news this week. Did it break like on a Sunday night? Last Sunday night? Something uh, late. Yeah, it broke er- very early last week. Uh, that Sony has agreed to sh- start sharing the Spider-Man character back with uh, Marvel. I'm phrasing that really poorly. <laughs> Sony has the movie rights to Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, and famously has uh, 
kind of dropped the ball with Spider-Man. And Marvel, meanwhile, has had success with their characters. So as part of a deal that involves Marvel paying them no money, mm-hmm. Sony has agreed to let them let Marvel use Spider-Man in upcoming Marvel Universe movies. Mm-hmm. And other way around, too. So right. Marvel can use Marvel characters in Spider-Man standalone movies and, as well. Uh, Sony will still produce and have, quote, creative control right. over the solo Spider-Man movies, which I think is a face-saving Probably. tactic. Because, I mean, there's no way that Sony's going to make their own Spider-Man movie now without the strict guidance of Kevin Feige. Yes, Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige, who will be on board as a producer. You don't bring him in just to tell him no. Oh, yeah, know? and you don't bring him in also to just have his name on it. He's right. gonna be he's he's gonna be very hands on as he is in all of the products that they put out, and also Amy Pascal is a co producer who just left Sony. Yeah, um, but I guess they had to get this deal done before she left. I don't know how that works. Well, she's not on as head of Sony; she's on okay. as an executive producer. Interesting, which is a strange way for that to work. So, what do you think? Are you excited? Well, <laughs> this is something that's been brewing for a long time. I mean. People who are into these movies have been waiting for this to happen forever now. And, um, you know, it's 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 probably the best thing that could happen for the Spider-Man franchise at this point because they were kind of floundering yeah. um, in trying to figure out what the hell it was to do to save it. Um, I'm, All the crazy ideas. Yeah. Like Aunt May spy movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm personally not crazy about the idea of having our third Spider-Man within like 15 years. I guess it's going to come out to be. I know Kiko hates that. What, 15 years? What do you mean? Well, since Tobey Maguire. That was 2002. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and this is coming out in 2017, the standalone movie. Um, but it will be the all signs point to it not being Andrew Garfield. Right. I think he. I think there was actually a report that he turned it down as well. So, um, you know. Sorry, Kiko. They better not do another... <laughs> goddamn origin story i know that i don't think they are going to i think um that's been um it will at least his first appearance is supposed to be in a marvel movie which isn't going to give over time to his origin and if it does it would be something sort of like uh falcon in uh, captain america where it's just sort of like here's this happening to help the story right but uh well, and and also you're going to get Spider-Man appearing. His first appearance is going to be in another Marvel movie, probably Captain America: Civil War. Right. So, if they're going to introduce Spider-Man, they probably won't reboot his origin. If they're just going to introduce him, I think unless by it's now, a teenage Peter Par- Peter Parker likes riding a skateboard. That would be so bad. <laughs> How would he come out in Civil War? How would that be? Well, I think he isn't he connected to that story in the line? comic book plot. He's a huge part of it. I don't know the story. Wait, so is Civil War like literally? Back in the Civil War? No. no. Oh. <laughs> it's not? <laughs> just, just Spider-Man webbing well, over Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> well, I thought because Captain America's... I don't know. What I yeah, but Iron Man is in... Oh, God. Oh. Thank you for that. Uh, no, I, he's a huge part of the... Uh, uh, plot in the comic book. I, again, I don't know the plot, but people that have told me about it, older boys that told me about the story, <laughs> uh, are excited about this. Um, oh, and I'm, now I'm not excited about it. I thought it was like a throwback war movie type thing. <laughs> Whatever. 
God. You just you just want you just are upset that it's like going to be a third actor playing Spider Man. I know how yeah. much you hate the. Nobody can commit. Well, they can commit, but well, Tommy McGuire made three movies, but yeah. he's like thirty eight years old now. And how many Hulks did we have? Three. We're on our third. There's also talk that the that they're going to cast either Dylan O'Brien from The Maze Runner or Logan Lerman for Spider Man. I'm indifferent to either of those. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't. It's like, isn't you, it the same actor? Yeah, I mean, basically they're interchangeable. <laughs> it's kind of like how they threw uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson in as uh, Quicksilver in the Avengers. Like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially after I can't remember the actor's name was so good at it in X Men: Days of Future Past. Oh, Evan Peters. Yeah. Is he the one that stopped time? Yeah. He was just running really fast. Oh, I love that time. scene. It's a great scene. And uh, Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson is a huge bore. So. <laughs> I've got a couple puns, guys. Okay, go for it. Okay, so we've got, uh, uh, you know, as for the documentary, we have uh, Finding Oscar Meyer. <laughs> okay. And then we have uh, the Box Lunch Trolls. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Okay, good. Let's keep a running tally. Also of, Feast. Uh, <laughs> Just, but but it's just uh, me like, and my crouton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, all right, I get it. That's a good one. Uh, so Spider, let's go back to Spider Man. Uh, Do we have to? Well, I mean, I uh, having fun. It is a kind of uh, it's uniting. I guess there's the big three franchises in film superhero adventures right now. With there's the Marvel stuff and then. Sp- x-men and then spider-man but now the two are going to come together as one right and there was talk that they, i mean there's always been talk that um that they wanted x-men to cross over or at least have you know wolverine somehow pop up with the avengers i know hugh jackman's been a big proponent of that happening i wonder um, if it'll if it that this may open the door to future stuff like that where because i mean we've talked about this before but these aren't compete these movies aren't competing with each other they're all part of the same I, like a rising, I mean, there's nobody's that's like had my fill of superheroes. Not gonna go see this new Spider-Man movie. I I, I guess, but also there's a clear. I, I mean, I think to me at least, there's a clear kind of Marvel's trying to bury DC thing. I mean, you could see that when they shifted the release date to to the same day as the Marvel movie. I forget which movies they were, but DC was the oh, one was, who budged. Uh, it was Captain America: Civil War and Batman versus Superman. Yeah, or yeah. Superman, whatever it's called. Batman v Superman, Dawn, Dawn of Justice. Justice. Fuck, I can't remember. I can't believe I forgot. So they can pick whatever date they want, and DC is the one that's going to be running and switching. But well, but I mean schedules and well, and I mean, frankly, for I mean that was just kind of a dick move because neither one of them wants to come out on the same day as the other one because then you just split the audience, you know, because everybody wants to see both of those movies. But what what I really mean is, you know, why not share Wolverine? Yeah. You know, why not share whoever is not in the universe, whoever you don't have the rights to? Because it just gets you excited for the next movie. So, right. Uh, I mean, it, I know it's all money and pissing matches and egos and stuff, really. But Well, I hope for the sake of these movies that Sony doesn't exercise their final creative control. Because that's the one thing that could trip everything up. Well, I, seriously, I believe that's totally a face-saving It probably move. is. Because but... they don't want to look like they're giving up because i read this like marvel is not paying them anything for spider-man like 
from what I've read, I think it was on IGN.com, that this is not, you know, it's not Marvel buying the rights to Spider-Man. It's just, okay, you can use Spider-Man. And I, I guess that uh, the whole hacker, Sony hacker thing that has just disappeared off the face of the earth, by the way. Right. Uh, precipitated this probably happening at least faster, if not at all. Yeah. Uh, so... Hey, why not? You know, they're going to make they're still going to make money. I mean, as as unpopular as Amazing Spider-Man 2 was, it still made a profit, right? I think. Well, it was the lowest grossing Spider-Man movie ever, including the Sam Raimi ones. But I mean, it's still it's not It probably a turned a, it turned a profit, but yeah. I mean, $1. I, I would assume that it <laughs> they did all the numbers. Here you go. Fuck. 1. Buck. I assume that it was mostly international. Yeah. Um, also, uh Dawn of the Planet of the Grapes ah. and X-Men Days of Future Pasta. Okay. <laughs> good job. Very good. <laughs> Dawn, of, Dawn of the Planet of the Grapes. <laughs> it's just a big bowl of grapes. <laughs> I didn't say these were going to be delicious. <laughs> oh, I like X-Men Days of Future Pasta. Yeah, yeah. that one's really good. Because all you do is add an A and it's all good. And plus, it gives me a little bit of you know, creative, creative. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of options there. Cause yeah, it doesn't have to be like a fl- particular pasta. Right, there's so many pastas to choose from. You know, I gotta... <laughs> it could just be a bowl of macaroni and cheese for Christ's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> the instant stuff. Yeah, I mean that Easy Mac. Yeah, the Easy with the che- the powder cheese. Man, I used to eat the crap out of that <laughs> when uh, when I was working overnights. Just head out to the microwave and you fill it with a little bit of water and yeah. throw it in there. And what about the Ego movie? Um, it's still a little bitter that it wasn't. Uh, that's why you, yeah. That's why you make the toppings on it bitter. No, like, <clears throat> like what? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> bitter toppings. I wonder if they. I don't know if they still make them, but for a little while they were making Lego Egos. Oh, were like they? They were. They were like. Molded, which is a really frightening thing. They were molded and like Lego pieces. Boogaloo and graham crackers. <laughs> okay. I like I, I like that you have a list of it open there, and you're is that what's yeah, happening? Yeah. You have a list of those films nominated. Yeah, I don't want to you know reveal the mystique of this, but yes, that's, <laughs> that's what's going on. All right, uh, I guess that's enough news, right? We don't have anything else. Uh. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, that that was kind of the thing that dominated the headlines this week because it was kind of a huge deal. I mean, uh, I think that 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 the uh, the movie community as a whole was kind of uh, pretty shocked that it actually happened. I mean, it's been talked about, but it was always. I think it was always sort of seen as a pipe dream. Yeah. Um, and then it happened. So we'll see what happens. I'm curious to see um, if they move forward pretty quickly with casting in order to get someone into that Captain America movie that's probably still shooting right now. Um, there are also rumors that they'll, that it'll, he'll pop up in Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron. It would be really quick turnaround for that. And, of course, they can put him in costume and they don't have to cast anyone in it. But Right. But, um, I mean, they, they like the, the shawarma scene in Avengers. I mean, the post-credits yeah. thing. I mean, they shot that, what, a week or two before release date? I think uh, the reason you only see Thor's back is because... Uh, Chris Hemsworth didn't have a beard. Uh, there's something something like that. There's some sort of like reason you only see Thor's back. Mm. 
Anyway, that's going to do it for news. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Fifty Shades of Grey. It's just beyond this door. What is? My playroom. Like your Xbox and stuff? It's important that you know you can leave at any time. Why? What's in there? I meant what I said. The helicopter's on standby to take you whenever you want to go. Could you just open the door? Literature student Anastasia Steele's life changes forever when she meets handsome yet tormented billionaire Christian Grey. Ooh, we all got a little hot and bothered seeing Ooh. this. Uh, I know, I mean, that's what I need. Kiko, you wrote all about this and about sex this week, so <laughs> why don't you start? Um, this isn't the uh, the train wreck I thought it was going to be. Um, I tried not to go into movies thinking, you know, you know, put getting a having some kind of a pre notion of what the movie why did you think it was going to be a train wreck because i had read excerpts i haven't read the whole book i've read excerpts of liar of (laughs) of the book and it's really badly written um (laughs) so i mean when you have something that's not great as the you know original text it's kind of hard to to make something out of it but anyway this um this was such a Pop, I mean, 100 million books sold in the past, whatever, three or four years or five years. That, That's huge. That's huge. Um, so it, this is an, a, the inevitable blockbuster. But um, so I, I went in thinking that maybe, you know, it's just going to kind of follow along with the book and it was just going to be cheesy. And some of those lines that are in the book are are, are going to be thrown in there because they're, you know, the, people know them and things like that. But they're, they're kind of a... It, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do and, and just go all out cheese like um, uh, the uh, Jennifer Lopez movie did uh, a few weeks ago. The Boy um, Next the Door. The Boy Next Door. It kind of uh, – the first hour of this is actually kind of funny I thought uh, in in a good way, in an intentional way. There's also scenes where uh, there's unintentional funniness, uh, which is always bad for a drama, thriller, sex, I don't know, um, sex movie, erotic drama I guess you would – Call it erotic drama. Erotic drama? Would that be it? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's. It. I've never heard that those two put together before, but yeah, huh? I think that's it. Erotic drama. So, um, I want I think... erotic sci-fi. Next. <laughs> that's probably uh, there already. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the best part of this movie is Dakota Johnson. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she uh, does a great job uh, of uh, portraying this innocent young uh, girl. Uh, that's taken into you know um taken into this crazy world of sadomasochism um and i think she does a good job in, in terms of uh you know showing how charming she is how flirty she is how how funny she is at certain times um what 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 brings the movie down though is as soon as it gets away from that and starts becoming way too melodramatic and serious in the last uh, 45 minutes or so and it just turns basically into a million other um, uh, raunchy type dramas that we would you seen. say like Fifty Shades of other types of dramas? Fifty Shades of exactly, and uh, w- Can I, Jamie Dornan 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 he he's just a total wash. I mean, there's nothing to this character. 
um, maybe it was supposed to be that way because he's this, you know, lost soul type of person. But um, every time he speaks, the, the movie just drops a few levels for me. Um, I don't think he brought anything to the, the role. And I think that he hurts um, what Dakota Johnson does through the whole thing. So um, the biggest thing, too, is that it's tame. Yeah, it, it's a lot less uh, kind of kinky than I expected. Right. I mean, I I'm not. I wasn't in, in my review. I wrote like I wasn't thinking that you know there was going to be like Lars von Trier um, type of sex here. But I mean, when you are as popular as this book is, and you're kind of promising this kind of groundbreaking type of sex or these scenes, you would think. <laughs> What? <laughs> Maybe have we have we been ruined by pornography? You think like just the ease of access to it? Because like I'm sure that there's people that this is the most crazy thing they've ever seen. You think so? But I mean, you think we as a society, and I guess as just consumers of the product. Well, I don't <laughs> yeah. watch I don't watch porn, so I'm not sure how that that that, that would work. Anyway, but, well, I'll get into it. I guess <laughs> in a ahead. second. You know, uh, the more I think about. This movie, the more I, I really don't like it, um, you know. And you've been thinking about it a lot know, since you saw it. Just yeah. flogging himself. <laughs> <laughs> Cat of nine tails on his back. Uh, first of all, you're right. It's it's tame. It's 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 not only tame, but it's kind of boring. Like I mean, um, and and not even like compared to pornography, but compared to like other movies that have sex in them like it's not even that extreme or uh or graphic or anything and to be honest i mean i don't know how a sadomasochist relationship <laughs> works you know maybe it's right on the dot or maybe you know they've captured it but i remember i don't i, I remember at one point i uh he's like he's got this thing that he's like uh like rubbing across her it had it's like a frilly thing and i was and I was, I said something to Jared about it. it looked like he was going to baste her with barbecue sauce. <laughs> and then he was like, "Where can I get one of those?" <laughs> You're, are you talking about the peacock feather or something else? No, that was hilarious, though. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's like a he has a, a the the scene we played. It's like his, his room full of playthings, yeah. as he calls it. But it looks like a torture chamber. Yeah, I get. Well, I mean, no, not, not really. quite. But I mean, it's got a lot of tools in it, yeah. and, and whips and. And chains and stuff. And floggers and, yeah, there's stuff that can hurt you in there. But, you know, and it's and it's a, I don't know how widespread the lifestyle is, but it is a a lifestyle that people choose that I guess this book has helped mainstream a little bit, put into the mainstream consciousness. Well, yeah, don't they have, like, branded items? I guess. I'm sure they do. Uh but I, I don't know how successfully it portrays that lifestyle. You know. What yeah, I mean? I, but I mean, even beyond that, you know, like you were saying, Jamie Dornan is just sleepwalking. Like he is, he's he's terrible in this. I mean, his he's he's struggling through his whatever accent he has, and everything he says <laughs> sounds unnatural for like the first hour of the movie because he's he can't talk through his accent, and. Um, there's, it's like the light is not there in his eyes. Like it's so weird. He's he's so vacant. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, especially compared to Dakota Johnson, who's just pretty vibrant through the whole thing. And from what I've read, it's kind of a departure from the book. Mm-hmm. Like the book, she's kind of a 
you know, little mousy woman. Yeah. Right. And uh, you could see that. I mean, I, that's what I liked about it. She's mousy and she's, you know, she's kind of, you know, you know, you know she's innocent. She's wondering what's going to happen. But at the same time, there's, there's humor there. The, um, there's uh there's something there. There's something behind the eyes, like you said, um, which is which kept it from you know really nose diving. So the, the 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 surprising, the most surprising thing about this for me, and the thing that just brings it and sinks it so heavily, is that it is aimless. It is entirely aimless. And what I mean by that is that the movie just goes nowhere. <laughs> um, there's no real point to it. In fact, if you were to really boil it down to anything. This is a movie, an almost two-hour movie, that's about whether or not a woman will sign a contract. And that's really all that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I because mean, it's... there's no real, like, sexual awakening that you would expect. Right. Uh, and right. that's, I think, a, a really missed... Like, I think that's the point. That's supposed to be the point, and it's not there. It's it's totally absent. Yeah. Um... Well, maybe not a sexual awakening, because I don't think she really aw- awakens. That's, I mean... the, that's what I'm saying. Okay, well, I'm saying that, that that should have been you never part of it. You, you never see her go from like the she doesn't go from the virgin character to somebody who's all of a sudden in this lifestyle. Um, you know, she has trepidation about it because he has her the the contract you're talking about is just a ridiculous. And it's that's the thing that's really comedic. It's a uh, it's a dominant and submissive contract that includes terms like anal fisting. Yeah, <laughs> it's just cracking me up the whole time. Yeah. And there's a great I, I like the scene where she she and him go over the contract and she's striking things out. Yeah, um, that, that's I mean we're talking about how stupid the contract stuff is, but that was my favorite scene. And it probably probably that's the last kind of genuine good moment in the movie when it just and right it, then from there on out it just becomes melodramatic and you you know you never find out anything about christian gray and i i'm sure that it's totally by design because this is written as a series oh yeah and especially with the end of the movie which is uh just ends just insulting to people who who just sat there and watched because well, you're getting to the well, i mean i knew going in this is like two hours and we're getting to almost the two hour point i'm like nothing is going to happen in this movie and like, nothing is, does this is going to be just—it's done. And I then, didn't. I didn't mind the ending. I mean, I knew. I mean, they have the right to do that. I mean, there's two more freaking books, and they are going to make them. So, but look, if you if you're going to end your movie that way, you sure as hell better have made some sort of journey to get to that point. Instead of this was like you know we talk about setup movies in the world of like comic book movies. This is a total setup movie. Like that's all that this thing serves to do. It's to serve uh, to set up the next franchise or the next um i guess episode of the franchise because yeah um really nothing happens here <laughs> i mean honestly it, it's so pointless i love that in the middle of the movie i think you turned to me you're like it, it would be so funny if this ended uh with them uh in in a in a courtroom like fighting over the oh the, yeah the i said contract. <laughs> i said i said i really hope that this ends with the hour courtroom scene of them <laughs> of them suing for breaching of the nda <laughs> And there's a lot of, um, I guess, uh, not would you call it wish fulfillment? Like she's she's kind of making him love her. Like his, he because he spends the whole movie talking about how he doesn't have normal relationships. He doesn't oh, have a girlfriend. And let's, I mean, before you get into that, let's talk about how stupid that character design is. <laughs> I just can't love. Yeah. I that's not me. I don't like to hold hands. Like it's just like <laughs> shut up. Like I, well and. Uh, I mean, the notion is that he's kind of 
broken somehow. Ugh. Um, which, man, I don't know what kind of level you got to get to to be broken that you need your wiener smacked. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand it. I mean, if it's your thing, when I don't the mics care. are off, I'll explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> if it's your thing, I I understand. But I mean, there's a, I mean, the you know, he's a 27 year old billionaire who uh, apparently had an affair with his mother's friend who turned him on to this lifestyle. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then he like went whole hog on this lifestyle. <laughs> literally. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means literally on that one. <laughs> whole hog? Yeah. Like his whole hog. Oh, his whole hog. <laughs> yeah. oh. I guess anything could be a word for penis. That's that's a common one. Look it up on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you have to go flog the hog. Yeah. Okay. There we go. That's right. Okay. I'll I'll allow it. I'll allow it. You better. But, but then he's got this, you know, this massive apartment in uh, uh, Seattle. And uh, of course, after he's done having sex, he goes and plays a grand piano. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, you know, he's got a driver that's like a badass and uh, I, it's just there's just a lot of like, like, oh, I can tame this man. I can bring him back from whatever has broken him. But then at the same time, she wants to participate in what's broken him because like they never right. really have like full on S&M sex. Right. Because she hasn't signed the contract. Right. So they just have normal sex for, with though, some light spanking and light. Yeah. Even though, flipping. spoiler alert, I mean, when she, at the end, when she says, show me how bad this can get or show me how rough this can get. Yeah. And then he shows her and it's like, huh? That's it? Yeah. Really? Uh, also, I, I love how, like, this movie that's supposed to have, like, tons of sex in it. The very first sex scene is just like missionary sex. Like it's just like, okay, that's that's what we waited for. So um, I was thinking about this, and it struck me um, how how blank of slate someone like Jamie Dornan is, and he was the he famously, I guess, Charlie Hunnam dropped out. Yes, but uh, I was thinking like it needed somebody like even stranger and like more kind of mysterious. Mm-hmm. But then I was yeah. thinking uh, after I saw uh, "Am on the Soup" this week, I was like, I would like to see this movie with Adam Scott as the because <laughs> <laughs> he, he can play that. Cody's st- a soda. <laughs> yeah, I know. So he can I. play that straight man, just kind of that weird deadpan. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would I'd have preferred s- anyone but Jamie Dornan. <laughs> well, what about what my Adam Scott idea, Cody? Um. Yeah, it would work. I mean, again, I would cast Adam Scott as anything in anything. So you'd cast him like his opposite parts in this movie, right? Like <laughs> smacking his own ass. It would, take, it would take so much CGI, but it would work. Just because Jamie Dornan does nothing, and I mean, this is going to be a star making. I mean, they're both going to get more work after this. Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan, and I think Dakota Johnson deserves it. And this is going to be one of those films that's a huge hit, and she gets to move on, you know, advance her career because of it. And I think Jamie Dornan's going to get the residual benefit from that, but there's just nothing there. I don't know, man. I, I, he was, he was, uh, he was not good. Um, so- I don't know. I just like I was just bothered by um, just the lack of direction for any of this. I mean, it's just. It's it's just there. I mean, it's just kind of sitting there in front of you, and you have to. Uh, Again, I, is this another case of because it it appears that some stuff has been changed from the book? 
Oh, a lot has been changed. But is this? I guess this is another case of even a more less extreme case of like Twilight, where you have to be beholden to the book because there's so many people that are in love with aspects of the book. Apparently, it's quite different from the book, from what I understand. But I mean, at least structurally, you can't be like, you know, like I'm going to give this a real ending instead of a ending that's going to pick up and. Well, I don't know. Does the book end like that? From what I've read, yeah. What about what Kiko? How does it end? Uh, I have no idea. I didn't read the whole book. <laughs> I only read the I only read the steamy parts <laughs> over and over and over. Again. I mean, I get why they did it. I mean, it's it's obvious that this thing is going to be a huge hit. And also, I get I guess one of like the the big calling cards of the book is like a, a like a, a narration that's happening throughout the whole thing. Oh yeah, it's like a third person, uh, first, first person, person narrator, narrator, and that's in the, it's not narrate, uh, narrated in the film, so that's one. Huge I mean, well, I guess that doesn't really make a difference. Well, but it gave. I mean, if if you're talking about what voice that the book is in versus what voice the, the uh, well, I just mean like structurally. Well, oh, structurally, like if you wanted no. to, like if you wanted to make the, you know, if you wanted to give the book a real a movie a real climax, <laughs> wink, <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of just sort of petering out (laughs) like it kind of did i mean i don't know i just i just once we once we got to the end i was like that's it yeah Yeah. so anyway grades um man you all made me hate it more than i i didn't hate it i'm just kidding no i'm giving this a c plus i didn't hate it at all um i'm I'm pretty sure i'm gonna see about 100 movies that are worse than this this year so c plus i don't recommend it but Cody, uh, I'm going to give it a C. Um, though I, I've been teetering towards a C minus in the past couple days, but I'm going to stick with a C for now. C for what? <laughs> Come on. Uh, chains. Uh, uh, one cleaner than I thought. One cleaner than <laughs> I thought. Just as tame as the movie. Yeah, good job. Uh, I'm going to do C plus. It teeters just on the brink of being kind of super campy and fun. A li- yeah, right, it's the beginning, right, right, right. Uh, but then the end just kind of torpedoes it. I really like Dakota Johnson, though, and I liked her when I saw her. Um, we talked about this. I don't think either of you watched it, but it was a, a sitcom called Ben and Kate on mm. Fox. Yeah, you're Nat Faxon. Tell you about that. Uh, she was good. Nat Faxon, Oscar winner. Nat Faxon. That Nat Faxon. The Oscar winner, Nat Faxon. Uh, I think he has a show on FXX now, right? Yeah. Well, I think it, I don't know if it got renewed or not, but it was with Judy Greer. Yeah. Anyway, uh, C-plus for me. All right, let's move on to our next movie, Kingsman, The Secret Service. Oh, yes. Very, very nice. You're going to need a pair of shoes to go with your suit. An Oxford is any formal shoe with open lacing. This additional decorative piece is called broguing. Oxford's not brogues. Words to live by, Exe. Words to live by. Try a pair. Your weapon scores are excellent, by the way. These you're familiar with, and this is our standard issue pistol. It's quite unique, as you'll see. It also fires a shotgun cartridge for use in messy, close-range situations. How do they feel? Yeah, good. Now do your very best impersonation of a German aristocrat's formal greeting. No, Exe. 
that is sick. <laughs> a spy organization recruits an unrefined but promising street kid into the agency's ultra-competitive training program, just as a global threat emerges from a twisted tech genius. Kiko didn't see this. No. You, you and I did. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start? Okay. You, you wrote the review too, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, go ahead. Uh, this is directed by uh, Matthew Vaughn, who um, who did X-Men First Class, but but perhaps more related to this film, wrote and directed Kick-Ass. Yes. Um, so he is no stranger to uh, uber violence and, um, and, and taking things to their extreme, which is what Kingsman does. Um, I think, you know, to, for starters, um, I think the draw of this film is going to be Colin Firth um, because it's something completely different from him mm-hmm. and something he's quite capable of, surprisingly so, um, you know, if you have your image of Colin Firth as, you know, King's Speech, super British, uh, dramatic actor, this will probably undo a little bit of it. Um, you know, it's nothing crazy, but it's a physical role that... Um, he does a lot of ass-kicking. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he does. Like uh, Liam Neeson-type ass-kicking? More like a James Bond-style yeah. ass-kicking. And that's and James Bond is, in it, is, is a good comparison because this is trying to set up its own spy franchise world, and it does a decent job of world-building to this group of people called the Kingsmen. It's uh, sort of a satire a little bit a little on bit, the yeah. Bond mm-hmm. formula. And what's funny is uh, uh, I, 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 there's a few set pieces towards the end that actually reminded me of Austin Powers, uh, like in, like when they're down in the in the prison. And, and, that, and really the whole final place that yeah. everything takes place in just reminded me of Austin Powers. But oh, uh, the, Yeah, the way the kind of troops march. Just yes. Kind of goofy, uh-huh. yeah. Was it like a layer? They were in a yeah. layer? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And uh, um, so the one thing I really respect about this movie is that it knows exactly what it is. Um, and it's just like balls out. And um, it's super British, too. By it's, the way. Yeah, it's, it's very British. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think the thing I can respect the most is that, you know, the main goal of this movie is to entertain its audience. And it, and it has a lot of fun doing so in the process. Um, for me personally, and I know that a lot of people are really catching on to this movie, but um, for me, I was on the fence almost the entire way. Um, you know, there are some scenes that, uh, that are awesome and, and well-constructed. There's a, there's a church scene in there. That's the best scene in the movie. Oh yeah. Um, and it's set to Leonard Skinner's Freebird, <laughs> and it's amazing use of music, uh, music and, uh, and it's, and it's, and it's a really, really cool scene. I liked, I actually liked the training scenes more than I liked the other stuff, oddly enough. Um, yeah, uh, it was interesting to see them train this group of kids, and of course, your main character is someone who comes from the streets, uh, and not and not you know like a college Oxford graduate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I think that there's a few things that started to tip towards the other way, which were Samuel L. Jackson, who is just given this lisp with his character that serves no real purpose. It's it's pointless. It, yeah, I mean, and it, it just sounds like Samuel L. Jackson doing a lispy voice. Yeah, he's supposed to be, I guess a, I guess a Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerbergish. Yeah, he's like a ty- uh, like an internet tycoon technology. It, what you know? What's weird to me is they played him as his actual age. Yeah, which is like sixty. How old is he? Like sixty-five. Yes. Yeah, well, he's not that old. I don't think. 
Yeah, no, he's sixty. Uh, he's he'll be sixty six this year. Yeah, he's old, older. Because they 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 showed his birth date on screen as the character one day one scene, and it showed his birth year is nineteen forty nine. Oh, he's sixty six. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that was that was just strange to me because he, you know, he's dressed like, you know, a Backstreet Boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Backstreet Boy slash Spike Lee slash. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I think that's a bad uh, bad call, and then and then there's his entire villain arc in everything that it's building up towards, which is some sort of weird global warming type thing. It's just, it's convoluted and it's, it, it doesn't really, um, it, it's not really ever explained and it's just, it's super generic. And I'm you know, for a movie that's, that's pretty creative up until that point, it's really generic. And, um, and then, you know, the turning point for me, there's a, there's a scene in the climax. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil it, but it's, it's this, big huge scene um that involves how do i word this um i'm talking about when the when the plan goes off yes okay i don't know how you talk about it. it's just there's a there's a kind of a grim but goofy climax and, and for me it was too goofy it it, cro- yeah. it crossed the line into just being too silly um, and I can I, see that. And again, I was I was on the fence up until that point, and really, I was thinking, you know, the last twenty minutes of this movie are going to determine what I think about it because I was right on that. Sequence. I like when you shift into that gear, you do that visibly at the movie. You're like, all right, this last. 20 oh, do minutes. I? No, I'm just kidding. It just sounded interesting. I just like I just you know crack my nose. Like, we got twenty minutes, guys. Let's do it. Yeah. So I was I was on the the the. Am I going to like this movie or not? And that movie just, or I'm sorry, that scene sent it into just taking it a little bit too far down that road of, of being goofy and, uh, and it lost me and it never really got me back. You know, you mentioned that his Vaughn, Matthew Vaughn's last two movies are X-Men first class and kick ass. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, if you, if you combined those two, this is exactly what you would get. Yeah. Cause you have the kind of ultra violence, uh, kind of comical villain, um, Plus the the young people training to be part of this team, mm-hmm. um, I pretty much echo everything you said. I I ended up liking it all, as a whole. Uh, I was kind of taken by surprise because I didn't really know much about this movie going in, other than that it was Matthew Vaughn. I didn't realize it was going to kind of go balls out with the violence. Yeah. Um, I do kind of. I am kind of a tad. I was kind of a tad irritated with the plot that the church scene kind of had the rug pulled out from under it right at the end uh right afterward see i i because because it's colin firth in this church just kicking ass yeah and that's really what you've seen because that's the whole deal with the the kingsmen is that they're just uh they're apolitical ass kickers they don't have any even though they're set in britain and they're all british you know based have, have names based on the uh arthurian uh, legend knights of the round table thing like that they're, they don't work for any government and they're just badasses and you get to finally see colin firth just unleashing yeah. on this church full of people but then you find out that that wasn't actually that, him right there's like, a because there's a mind control right and I, I i was kind of irritated with that little plot turn well that's what i was saying when i was saying that 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 whole plot line is just kind of thrown in there yeah um but uh, it, in the long run, it all kind of came together for me to be enjoyable enough. Uh, there is, it ends on probably the raunchiest joke 
in an in an action movie that I've seen in a while. Which I, I've, it, and that's another problem because it had some tone problems throughout the movie and none bigger than that. I think. Well, it was like it, it was balls out, and it was way more than I like, kind of raunchier than I expected it to be. Like, there's no, I mean, there's just a hint of new, just a little bit of nudity in it, but it is pretty frank talk. And I mean, the the main character, I don't remember the actor's name. Eggsy is his character. His last name's Egerton. I can't remember his first name. But, uh, but I mean, he's just kind of unapologetically British. Like, yeah. it's hard to understand sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I for the for the most part, though, it uh, it left me satisfied. It, it's it. I was more satisfied than I was with uh, Kick Ass. I didn't really care for Kick Ass, but I'm less satisfied than I was with X Men First Class. Personally. Um, I feel there's just a lot of stuff. There's a lot of setup in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's, we're, uh, again, another world building movie. And then it never really explains how these normal people, you know, that were just street kids or university students became these incredible ass kickers, able to be, you know, sent up in balloons to the edge of space and stuff and halo jump and things like that. What did you think about the other rug pulling moment? Um, that had to do with training. Um, like, did you want them to go all out, or are you talking about how uh, how they kind of psychologically mm-hmm. freaked them out? No, I liked that part okay. personally. Um, uh, it, they probably did it too many times, though. Yeah, they did it at least three. Yeah, there, and at least two big times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it probably only needed one statement. I don't know. Yeah, I say I don't know a lot, but yeah, but it, there there are some there are some problems with this. I, I ultimately liked it. There's, there's some weird special effects that are pretty bad too. That seems to be a Matthew Vaughn thing. Yeah, because X Men First Class had a couple of really bad ones. Yeah, especially in that intro with uh with like Kid Magneto and like the I think it's like a file cabinet that crushes or something like that, and it looks really. It just seems yeah. It's I it may be like a style thing because I'm, I'm I mean I know X Men had the budget for it. I don't know about yeah. this, but. Uh, like there's the scene where at the beginning where they kind of zoom in through a, a tr- uh, like a temple wall yeah. and it just looks terrible. Which uh, again, another great use of music in that scene where they have the Dire Straits song. Oh yeah, yeah, Money for Nothing. Okay, go ahead, Cody. What's your grade? Uh, I gave this a C plus. Um, I think that uh, you know, like I said, I was sort of teetering throughout the whole film, and then that climax scene happened, and it uh, and I. I it lost me, unfortunately. I'm going to go with B minus. Um, like I was saying, I I liked as a whole. I liked it more than I disliked it. There are some problems with it, and I wish it was a little tighter and a little less. Uh, the the goofy scene you talk about, the goofy sort of climax, was a little much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just didn't find it entertaining. And now scene. you now that you mention Austin Powers, I can't unsee some of that <laughs> stuff. Uh, Keep going. It's too airy of a whistle. <laughs> anyway, B minus for me. All right, let's go move on to our last movie, Still Alice. What's it like? Like, what does it actually feel like? Mm, well, it's not always the same. You know, I have uh, I have good days, bad days, and on my good days, I can you know almost pass for a normal person but on my bad days I feel like I can't 
find myself. Um, I've always been so defined by my intellect, my language, my articulation, and now sometimes I can see the words hanging in front of me and I can't reach them and I don't know who I am and, and I don't know what I'm going to lose next. Sounds horrible. Thanks for asking. Alice Howland, happily married with three grown children, is a renowned linguistics professor who starts to forget words. When she receives a devastating diagnosis, Alice and her family find their bonds tested. We all saw this. You so, wrote the review. I did. So why don't you start? Well, because I'm the moderator. He's the host, man. What? He's not the host. He's the... Moderator. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Does this meet the press? Let, I'm gonna make, <laughs> you're you're going to start, Kiko. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> Why don't I start? I'm going to take this one. <laughs> no, it's you start. Um, I think uh, I think that uh, the whole uh, issue of uh, Alzheimer's um, in movies has been done before um, and better. Um, it's an interesting um, and very um, heartbreaking disease. Uh, so to be able to see it from different angles is interesting. Uh, my, one of my favorite... Um, Ones that's that's come out in the last few years is, is a, a movie called Away from Her that uh, Sari Pauly directed a few years ago, which I really thought uh, got a lot of uh, emotional uh, aspects of it right. Um, here, I think that um, Julianne Moore does a does a really great job of uh, portraying this woman uh, with early onset Alzheimer's. I think that uh, that might be a little bit different from what we've gotten before because I mean she's more a younger i mean she's, she's not in her she's 50 years she's old she's in her 50s usually we see people getting this disease in their you know the twilight of the years but um so to see that was a um an interesting turn um i felt that the the most the most interesting thing about this movie was uh the fact that this disease that she has which is a rare form uh could have gone gotten to her children how would you describe that? Like they called a, it familial. Familial, like, right? I guess, in other words, hereditary. Um, then if you have the markers for it, if, you, if it, the test comes back positive, right. there's a 100% chance that you will you will get right. so her, pass it on. Right. So I really thought that that was an important part of the story that they didn't really flesh out enough. I, I, I wish that they had gotten a little bit more into that because – you have these kids, her, 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 her kids who don't know whether or not they want to take this test to see if they're going to end up with Alzheimer's when they get older. So um, I think that was a really important part that didn't get um, – that didn't – they didn't delve into that enough. Um, but this is Alice's story more, I yeah. guess. So um, when you when you look at it from that angle, I mean I think that they uh, – I don't know. They, they – I think Julianne Moore did enough to show, you know, just how um, frustrating the the disease is. Uh, what I wish they had done a little bit more. She's this linguistics professor, uh, so words are very important to her, like the that scene said. So I wish they had done a little bit more with that creatively. Um, I mean, so I, I'm not sure what I wanted to see, but uh, the fact that she's losing words as she's, you know, every day goes by didn't really come out at all. I mean, I thought. I thought they could have done something more with that since that was her whole life and all of a sudden she can't 
think of anything just kind of is losing it little by little so i think maybe the final scene where she has a she's making this big speech and she has to do it very slowly and stuff like that kind of did that but i i, I needed a little bit more so um thought it was okay I, it's it's a it's about what i'd expect from a big budget high profile movie on alzheimer's it's approachable um one of the things i wrote in my review i wish that we'd get a story like this right from a point of view that's not of a wealthy person oh totally uh, totally of, you know cuz i don't i mean not to discount the i mean alzheimer's is an awful disease no matter what and you know it doesn't matter your income bracket but how much more affecting would a story like this be if it were about a 50-year-old woman who needed to continue to work, who supported her family. Because, I mean, 50 is not, you know, you're still in the workforce at 50. Right. You know, you're still earning money. So what if she wasn't a professor and her husband wasn't a doctor or whatever? I don't remember what it was Alec Baldwin did, but he was going to get a job at the Mayo Clinic, something something in the medical field. Mm -hmm. What would that be like? What would it be like if there wasn't, you know, they didn't have a beach house and they didn't, have all this other stuff right i think it's a it's it's too easy of yeah. a story to tell when there's not these secondary issues that you have to face right there's no stakes to it other than the disease which i mean which is not, enough yes right. but at the same time it doesn't really feel genuine in, in that that real it's, life it's, sort it's, of way it's hard to relate you know because otherwise you know she's she's i mean they're not Alec Baldwin's character makes a point to say that he can't afford to not work, but it's pretty obvious that he can af- they can afford for her to not work. Right. Cody, what about you? What do you think? I think that it's it's no different than any other Alzheimer's movie I've ever seen. Um you have the you know the 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 regular stuff of uh you know hide or putting things away in the wrong place or forgetting stuff and uh, you know, it's it's all it's you know it's all stuff that actually happens when you have Alzheimer's, but all stuff that's been portrayed in movies the same way. Um, I actually think a very underrated part of this film is Kristen Stewart, who mm-hmm. I thought was actually really good in here. Um, and um, you know, I think that she's someone who is actually can be a really good actress when she's not brooding uh, or you know. Well, I mean, she was you know the Twilight thing locked her up for. Five years or so. It did, but she was she was not good in like Snow White and the Huntsman, for example. But Which, she, yeah, but she was good in like Adventureland. So you know, yeah. it it all depends on what Kristen Stewart you get, and you get a good one here. She kind of it's kind of a stock role, the wayward daughter. Yeah, um, I think she does a good job with it. I'm yeah. just glad that she's she. I mean, she did Twilight for so long, and I was scared that maybe people wouldn't see her past that. But she seems to be breaking out a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, she's picking interesting things. Um, there's that what was that that road movie that can't think of it right uh, now on the road. On the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was called. That's it, guys. Uh, uh, Camp X-ray. Um, oh, I like. She was really good in that. So there's there's a lot of uh, indie stuff that she's been doing that that. I mean, I don't blame. I can't blame her one single bit for accepting Twilight because yeah. it was just it was oh, just yeah. found money, you know. But but it is good to see, and and even Robert Pattinson too breaking out mm-hmm. doing stuff that's different. Um, I mean, I know we all liked him in uh, The Rover, mm-hmm. but Kristen Stewart here. I mean, this is this is more big budget Hollywood stuff, or at least high profile Hollywood stuff. I think she does a good job with the part. Yeah, uh, the thing that keeps coming back about about this film, and really the the one thing that sticks out to me, is that <clears throat> I found it 
very manipulative. Um, there's a lot of soaring piano stuff in any any scene where uh, anything dramatic happens. And I just think it, it sort of has its audience and it wants to control it and control their emotions throughout it. And so there's a lot of uh, really sappy parts to it and um, and kind of emotion ringing stuff. And I, for me, it was just I, – I just never I, – I, I had a lot of trouble buying into this manipulative part of it. Yeah, it's pretty calculated. Um, I didn't find it overbearing though. Like I found them <sighs> – like I found the music in something like black or white. Yeah. Um, I found that to be just kind of, <clears throat> you know, hit you over the head with the emotional cues. Um, again, like Kiko said, there are a lot of thinly drawn side characters. I guess Kristen Stewart is probably the most uh, fleshed out of the secondary characters. Uh, Alec Baldwin really doesn't have anything to do. Yeah. For playing the husband who's, you know, the doting husband. And I mean, someone, needed- yeah, someone like Alec Baldwin, you think would have a more, Substantial role, yeah. right? And uh, Kate Bosworth plays the daughter, um, the other daughter that finds out she is uh, a carrier for the disease. Mm-hmm. She barely has anything to do. the The actor that plays her brother has absolutely zero to do. I don't remember the actor's name. Um, he's not nothing. No, I don't remember recall seeing him before. But I mean, there's those characters just have zero to do. Other than to react to the mother, uh, to their mother having Alzheimer's, and I guess that, like you said, that's the point of the story. It's Alice's story. It just is a little frustrating when you, when you think about what the what it means for them. Right, right, exactly, exactly. It's, I mean, it is her story, but it's affecting them as well in, in a lot of different ways. Not just because she has it, but because <clears throat> it's familial. Um, so I, I wish it would have gotten it, gotten a little bit deeper in that uh, aspect. So. But I mean, Julianne Moore. I mean, you can't you can't doubt that she does a great job in this, and she's probably going to win the Oscar. She's yeah, but I think it's a and and again, even even taking out the Oscar equation, if we're talking best performances of the year, I think it's it's up there. But by default, um, this hasn't been a very strong year in particular. But I I would prefer to Julianne Moore like Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. I would prefer Felicity Jones. Um, I think those were both stronger performances. Even Marianne Cotillard in Two Days, One Night is better than this. Um, so, I mean, it's a good performance, but it, the best, no. No. She's getting it for her career, though. I mean, she's 0 for 5, so yeah. she's 0 for 5 at the Oscars. Uh, it's time to give her one. Um, I hate that notion, by the way. Oh, yeah, me the, too, totally. The, you know, the, But you buy into all that other handicapping stuff, too. That's just, just the, no, I'm, just no, the I, no I'm talking about the notion of a of a lifetime achievement oh. Oscar for a movie that someone doesn't deserve it for. Okay. That notion I don't like. I see what you mean. Okay, uh, grades? C-plus for me, too manipulative. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Did you give C-pluses to everything today? Oh, no, you give a C to... C to Fifty Shades of Grey. Stern, um, stern but fair. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm like... giving this a B-minus. Um, what you gave it a C plus when you first ta- uh, when we talked about it months ago? Yeah, I know, but that was months ago. I, I would recommend it based on the uh, performance <clears throat> by um, Julianne Moore mostly. Um, again, uh, if you want to see a better Alzheimer's movie that's recent, um, see Away from Her. Heck, see um, Glenn Campbell, the doc that just came out this year. So. I'm giving it a B. I didn't mind it at all. I, nothing really stood out other than Julianne Moore. But I think um, 
you know, you know what you're getting into. You know you're going to get into a sad story. So being manipulative, it doesn't really bother me. Um, I would exp- I would be it would be weird to not be manipulated by a story like this. I think at least on this kind of scale of Hollywood filmmaking. So I'm giving it a B. I liked it well enough. That's it for reviews. Let's go ahead and move into our last segment. Oscars, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, are a week away from today, which will be Sunday, February 22nd. Yes. Um, And we're going to give – we're not giving final picks. Right. Because apparently there's handicapping and all this other stuff to be done. And I didn't really want to write anything down. Uh, Yeah. Well, there's a lot to consider. So, uh, Cody, you are spearheading this. I've determined. So, okay. What do you got? Well, um, you know, usually uh, when we're talking Oscar picks or Oscar predictions or Oscar whatever you want to call it The Grouch. Oscar the Grouch. Uh, <laughs> Oscar Robertson. Oscar um, Meyer Wieners. So, basically, we have your locks, things that you know, we know what's going to happen. We know that J.K. Simmons is going to win. Right. We know that Julianne Moore is going to win. And to a lesser extent, Patricia Arquette is pretty locked in. Um, beyond that, and in, in, shockingly so, there are a lot of up-for-grabs awards this year, which a lot of stuff is the writing's usually on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, there are three awards in particular that I, that I want to say for the end because I think these are the three that are super up for contention. Um, but, um, you know, I want to talk about maybe possible surprises – and for me, if I had to pick a surprise, I would say um, Grand Budapest Hotel for original screenplay is the one that I think might be a surprise. I think like Birdman's the favorite right now, but I think Grand Budapest could sneak its way in for that. I think it all depends on because a lot of times when the director and a, a has been also nominated as a writer, they'll split that just to give them you know. Yes. So if, it, it depends on if Inaritu gets the directing. Right, was, uh, win, and then they'll give it to somebody else for was writing. Spike That's, Jones nominated <clears throat> as director last year or not? He won. No, he, he was didn't not win, nominated for director, but he won a best original right. screenplay. He won right. screenplay. Okay. So um, I don't know who who who's up for writing. Uh, it's Birdman, Boyhood, uh, Grand Budapest, um, and then uh, Foxcatcher and Nightcrawler. Uh, Anderson hasn't won before, correct? Correct. I would, I would, I would be, I'd be with you. I would say Grand Budapest is probably going to sneak in there for for Anderson because I can't see any of the top nominations going to to Grand Budapest uh, or Anderson as director. Grand Budapest is such a beloved movie by so many people that I feel like this might be the one that finally gets Anderson there. I still don't know if it can unseat Birdman, but um, but if I had to pick like an upset, I think that would that would probably be it. I think I'm still sticking with Birdman at, at, to this point. Uh, I don't. Not only did I think it was the best written movie personally, but I just, uh, I think I don't think Inaritu is going to win the directing award. Yeah, uh, which is another, but it could, you know, it's a toss up there as well. So, um, um, just on that notion, I think that Birdman will still pick it up. You want to start from the top, or right? I don't know what. Well, you're, do you want st- you're starting backwards from screenplay and moving through. Yeah, to the yeah. Okay. So adapted screenplay. I mean, this is another kind of tough one because so many people love Whiplash, but I don't know. I feel like the imitation game may have this one down. The the nominees again: American Sniper, The Imitation Game, Inherent Vice, Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Man, um, 
I, I still have this weird gut feeling like we <laughs> talked about with American Sniper. It's not going to happen. I, I'm not saying it's going to win Best Picture, but it, I just feel like it's going to have some sort of representation. And uh, I think if it's going to have some sort of token representation, it would be this. Um, just This is just wild speculation because I, um, I think Whiplash will probably win just because it's, again, it's another beloved movie. Um, I don't know. Would you call it beloved or loved? Because people don't adore it. They really, really like it. I guess there's a kind of semantic difference there. I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see the semantic difference between it. Beloved and loved. Beloved would be like, like, oh, I want to spend time with this movie. <laughs> and loved would be like, this is a really great movie. But I'll call you next week. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I, you know, I, I, I guess for me. Um, it's hard to get away from the imitation game on this one. And I, I don't know where else it would pick up any awards yeah. either. So I'm, I'm with you on there. I think imitation game could sneak in. Or it's between imitation and, and, and whiplash. So, uh, if, yeah. If you're making those Oscar picks, guys. That's what it kind of boils down to. Uh, or you could totally be wrong and it goes to um, theory of everything, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not, that's not entirely out of the question either. Um, <clears throat> You know, I think Best Supporting Actor is J.K. Simmons. I don't even think we need to talk about that one. Who that, else is nominated? I forgot. Robert Duvall, Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, and Mark Ruffalo. I, I mean, I would be fine. I, it's going to go to J.K. Simmons, but I would be fine with either uh, Ethan Hawke or Edward Norton. I would, too. But, I mean, usually there's a lock of the night, and this one's it. I mean, yeah. this, this award's not going to anyone other than J.K. Simmons. Supporting Actress is actually interesting because... If you look at it from a perspective of best performance, it's really up for grabs. But Patricia Arquette's been winning everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Arquette, Laura Dern, who should win it, uh, Kira Knightley, Emma Stone, and Meryl Streep. I'm totally I'm, – I'd be perfectly happy with Patricia Arquette or Laura Dern. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be Patricia Arquette. I wish it was Laura I, – well, I kind of wish it was Laura Dern. But. I, I'd be fine with either one. But yeah, Patricia Arquette's gone through all, all of the past – Oscar, I mean, all the past awards and prerequisites. Prerequisites, thank you. Which I don't and won everything. So, and then she has more to do in the movie. That's such a that's such a weird thing for me because I just don't. Statistics start to get too drilled down for me sometimes. Yeah, but I I think they matter. They do matter. It's because they matter until they don't. But you, but okay, but you can say that about anything. I know, but I mean, it's just a. It's 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 such an ESPN. In inning of our ESPNing of our society, but it's, it's not though because it shows voting patterns. You 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 see the patterns start to develop, and you see that the guilds match up with the Oscars. So that means that they are representations of what's going to happen. I mean, it's no different than picking the weather. I mean, it's like you're picking the weather based on past things. It's I mean, it's again, you're you're it's. You I, I just think it gets we get too caught up in it sometimes personally. But I mean, I, I agree that Patricia Arquette's going to win. So that argument was for nothing, but <laughs> just in other in other terms. Yeah. Uh, um, best actress again, Julianne Moore is going to win this, but uh, Cotillard, uh, Felicity Jones, uh, Rosamund Pike, and Reese Witherspoon. I wish it was Reese Witherspoon. I do too, but Wild yeah. is completely underrepresented. Yeah. <clears throat> you? No, same thing. Yeah. I mean, this is Moore's mo- Moore's movie and her. So here's where it gets interesting Oscar. because the last three categories are. I, I won't say up for grabs because each category has two people or two movies that could win. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with best actor, it's down to Keaton versus Redmayne. And it should, and, I, and I, you know, a month before now, 
a month ago, I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, at all. Uh, yeah. And, you know, <clears> it's <laughs> right now, Redmayne is winning the thing. I mean, I think that uh, Redmayne won SAG, BAFTA, and, um, and one other, and then Keaton won the Golden Globe. Um, well, they both won the Golden Globe, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, man. I will not be happy if Eddie Redmayne wins this award. I really, really want Michael Keaton to win, and he deserves to win. And I, I will just be so annoyed if Redmayne wins. <laughs> it's such an, it's a good performance, but it is not better than Michael Keaton. I agree. I mean, I, I can, I would love Michael Keaton to win it. I can see Redmayne winning it. I don't, I don't know that I'm disappointed in Eddie Redmayne winning it. I mean, I can. It was. I mean, playing a real life person who's disabled and like totally committing to it. I mean, that's pretty much that's Oscar 101 sometimes, <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, in a performance where he doesn't he didn't, you know, he didn't care or you know, the director didn't care if you can even understand what he was saying half the time. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty bold performance, pretty, but pretty uh, standard Oscar fair. I would love Michael Keaton to win it because it is so original right and it's and it i mean it's well, just... i mean if we're talking about you know lifetime achievement awards why wouldn't this apply to keaton is what i'm weird about and also birdman has seen a huge surge in the past few weeks yet it doesn't seem to be represented in michael keaton well michael keaton's never been nominated for an oscar before so it's not like he's yeah but he's been a working actor for so many years i mean it's it's kind of like uh arquette yeah yeah Mm. I think Arquette needed the right role. I don't think it's. I don't think she's done. I, I can't remember a role that I've seen her in that I was just blown away by before. You know. Yeah. Same for Keen. I don't think he's his. I mean, he was a kind of a. I mean, he was a drama star, action star, but it was never, you know, never Oscar caliber stuff. I mean, everybody's beloved. Yeah, everybody loves his performance in. Uh, oh, oh man! Oh my God. <laughs> I almost fucked it all up. Everything's falling apart. Uh, you know, his. In retrospect, people love his Batman movies more so than maybe they did at the time. Yeah, I think we had a. Didn't we disagree with this last time, or we talked about it, where I said that this is, this role is the, Michael Keaton would be the only one that could play it. Yeah, and you thought that. I'm still sticking by that. I don't think anybody else could have done Birdman I mean, with the same kind of um, connection that they needed for it. I, well, I mean, so, you but, would obviously have to rework the script, but yeah. I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, so overall, where I mean, are you guys leaning on this one as of right now? Right, gut feeling right now says Eddie Redmayne. That yeah. may change. I, I really want Michael Keaton to win, but um, I think that he didn't. Destroy his chances with Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, because, no, you know, we all talked about it, how the rumors were that he was trying to, his people were trying to distance himself, distance him from it. And, yeah. Uh, then it just became just another annoying, shitty role. It wasn't a bad career ending performance or anything, but. Right. <laughs> uh, which I kind of wish would have happened because it would that's awful. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would really like Michael Keaton to win this, but I. I can right now. I think Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, and then we move on to the two super hotly contested ones, um, <coughs> which basically come down to uh, Birdman versus Boyhood, and um, we'll start with director. Um, 
because the past two years there has been the director and best picture split, which historically speaking didn't really happen all that often. Right. And now it's happened the past two years. And it, could definitely happen it this year. could definitely happen again. So here's See, it happens until it doesn't happen. That's I, what I'm okay. talking about with well, stati- the statistics I, like this. Look, I'm going to give you a statistic in a second <laughs> that is sort of unquestionable. And it's, uh, but you know, I think that we have seen a, a major surge in Birdman in the past few weeks, and especially with the guilds. Um, because Birdman took home the DGA, the SAG Award, and the PGA. Mm hmm. And um, the only film to ever win those three awards and lose Best Picture is Apollo 13. That's the only time that a film has won those three awards and not won. So, you know, his, history is in the corner of Birdman for Best Picture. Um, a gut feeling for me, I think there's no way that Linklater loses Best Director. I think it's going to be a split again. I think it's, it's going to be a split too, but I don't know which way it splits. That's a good. At this moment, yeah. I don't know. And I mean, and again, I shouldn't say there's no way Linklater loses because I mean, the DGA went with Inuritu, but um, but I, I yeah, this is a really tough one to call because it's not like it's not like with Keaton where Keaton's getting shut out of a lot of awards. I mean, I think uh, Boyhood took home the BAFTA. Um, did it? Did it took over an, another one too? Um, I, which I can't. It took remember. Golden Globe. It of took the Golden Globe. Um, uh, gut feeling right now says you give it to Inuritu for director because it's more of a technical achievement than filming over twelve years, and that tends to happen. I mean, that's what I think happened uh, with. That's what I think happened with Gravity was it was just such a technical marvel that you couldn't not give it to Quaron. Well, the, um, the thing that confounds this whole thing, which. Uh, um, and again, I'm going to give you statistics <laughs> and stuff, but um, the thing that really confounds this whole thing that, that kind of really is weird to me is that um, Birdman was not nominated for editing. And um, typically speaking, that's a pretty good indicator of... Um, who's uh, going to win for Best Picture? Well, not just who's going to win, but the fact that it wasn't even nominated at all. Usually the, the editing and the... Um, and Best Picture typically correlate with each other, not always in a winner, but I mean, if you look at the past few years, um, uh, you'll see that the movies that were that won editing were also nominated for Best. But those Picture. are guild; those are only guild voters, though, right? For editing, like, uh, that's only yeah. like uh, I mean, so I mean, everybody votes on the Best Picture, right? Oscar wise, but the guilds, I mean, nominates and votes on Best Picture, but then nominations for the technical awards like that only come from. The guilds, right? Uh, yes, but I'm I'm talking just about you know correlation, uh, correlation, causation. Yeah, so I mean that's a that's a really interesting wrinkle to the whole thing was that Birdman was not nominated for editing, but typically you see um, your best picture nominees in there. Uh, so that's that's something that's really curious, and of course Boyhood is in editing; it's nominated there, and it you know uh, it's it has a good chance of winning that category. Uh, so God, I, it's, this one's so hard to pick and I'll probably be down to the wire when I make my official predictions, but, um, gut feeling right now says Birdman picture Linklater director. Really? Yeah. I think I'm going the opposite way. <clears throat> I think too. I'm doing boyhood picture, um, in a director right now. I agree with that. And I think 
that'll stand for me probably all week. So you think that this becomes the second movie to win all those guilds and not be and not win Best Picture? Yeah, I just think it. I mean, I don't like again. I don't like to look at that stuff just because it's it. Just because it's always not always, but it happens. It's because it, it's not a. There's no like because the votes are in for the Oscars, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not a you know. There's no handicapping to be done after the fact. Yeah, but they share voters. I mean, they. No, I understand. But so it's. I mean, it's. I, I just, that's that's why it's an accurate representation. Well, it's I think. Accurate. It, I think in this case, like Jerry said, it happens till, until it doesn't happen kind of thing. But you could say that about anything. Well, guys. then why would you even start with the statistics? Well, because you would be like, hey, the sun came out today. Well, it comes out every day before it. Well, it happens until it happens. That doesn't mean that you'd say, well, I don't think the sun's going to come out tomorrow because it might not happen. But you're saying that it's not going to happen or most likely won't happen because it Look, doesn't I'm, really happen. I'm just talking about odds. I'm not talking about... Uh, <clears throat> odds, odds are that Bird, Birdman's going to win, but... Yes, I don't and think that's what it I'm, is. That's why, again, that's what I'm saying. Right. This whole conversation is not about matter of fact stuff. It's just about odds. I mean, the fact that these statistics or these, you know, uh, prior prerequisites counted to things just increase the odds of it happening. Right. I think odds are Birdman wins, but I'm going to go against it. Just gut feeling that people liked Boyhood, and it's a little bit more representational of everybody well i think that the thing you cannot discount is the fact that um the the oscar voters typically try to go or go with movies that are like self-contained hollywood stories or stories that take place within the industry look at the past you've got the artist you've got uh argo winning and i think that birdman falls into the umbrella of taking place within the entertainment industry. And I think anytime that happens, you have to seriously look at it as the Oscar voters really attaching themselves to it. I just think that Bur- um, Boyhood is one of those once-in-a-lifetime type movies that can't be overlooked. And if it is... Well, and that's why I think Linklater is going to get the director <clears throat> nod that, for it. I agree with you, Kiko. I mean, it's it's one of those... Because you, you also talk about how the Ameri- like the feel-good American movies win, but then, like you mentioned, Apollo 13 didn't win. It's a true story of heroism that didn't win. It went to Braveheart that year. Um, you know, you look at something like... Uh, mainstream America story Forrest Gump won the year before uh, which you know it, it, from year to year it changes and I think that 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 yeah boyhood is one of those things that that can't be overlooked achievement wise I don't know that it's as much directing as it is the film itself that resonates with people with with something like Birdman which like I compared it to gravity it's a technical achievement that it that sticks in your mind. I mean, the movie is great, but the fact that it's the way it was pulled off, I think is something that, that may resonate more as a director than something like what Linklater did shooting once a year. I think that, um, technically speaking, that will be taken care of with the cinematography award because I think it's cinematography more than directing. But, uh, but yeah, I'm this, it's tough. I mean, again, I would, Personally, probably rather see Boyhood win, but if Birdman wins, I would be perfectly happy with that. I I don't mind either. I mean, I just think that I I I I'm sure there's going to be a split, but I just don't know how it's going to split. And I right now and probably until the day of the Oscars, I'm going to think it's Boyhood picture, Birdman director. Yeah, I'm 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 tempted to go with one surprise in there, and um, 
So I was thinking American sniper of either going with <laughs> of either going with Keaton over Redmayne or um, or Boyhood over Birdman for Best Picture. Um, but I don't know which way I'm going to go. Well, whatever it is, all I know is I'm going to kick both of y'all's butts. I kicked y'all's ass last year. I know. <laughs> I was what twenty one of twenty four. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was twenty two because I had twenty one the year before. Yeah, you basically got everything right. It's because you're looking at statistics. I know it was. I I I, I uh, draw you in. I hustle you by being like, oh fuck those statistics. <laughs> yeah. And then you go by and them a hundred percent. One hundred percent. But no, I mean, for real, like it is one of those things where it just, I mean, I know that there's like this whole subculture of handicapping this stuff, but it is one of those things that money ball, dude, that happens and, you know, movie ball, movie ball. Ah. Mm-hmm. Let's write that one. Let's write it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Who's going to play Cody? <laughs> Adam Scott. <laughs> uh, all right. That's it. Right. Anything else to talk about Oscars? Guys, who do you like for best documentary short subject for film? No. We talked about this last week. Oh, okay. So best costume design. Guys, do you think Dick Poop has a chance of winning? (laughs) Uh, Oscars next week. How are we going to do the show for Oscars? Are we going to do something afterwards? Uh, Maybe. Probably. I mean, that's the best way to do it unless unless we Skyped it in. After that we're, night, we're not, I don't want to get into the details of how we're going to do it. I mean, well, yeah, but geez, okay. what do you mean? What are you going to? How are we going to do it? I mean, then? like, not how are we going to do it? Like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, I guess we'll have a we'll have a recap of the Oscars after the show. Not like, okay, you call me on your Skype, and I'm going to plug in my uh, extension cord. Not the technical. We'll, we'll, don't get too technical. We'll live tweet if we can. Oh yeah, we'll be live tweeting. We should record live um, as we're. <laughs> You know, we could talking. do yeah, we could do one of those like uh streaming shows with like on on one of those websites where people are listening in to us instead of watching and listening to Billy Crystal or whatever. <laughs> Billy Crystal. <laughs> it's Neil Patrick Harris this year. Yeah, but Billy Crystal's going to show up. You think so? He always shows up to that. I've seen his uh some promo for a new show he has with Josh Gad on Ugh. Is I, it a, what is it? It's on FX. It's called like comedians or something. I could not be any less interested in a TV show. But you're all about comedy. Mike Wazowski and Olaf on the same movie. Come what? On. This is crazy. All right, that's going to do it for this week. What's next week? Well, next week is the long-awaited, and uh, and you know everyone's been asking for this movie. And when does it come out? When does it come out? Hot Tub Time Machine Two <laughs> is what we get next week. Um, Who's been asking that again? <laughs> everyone. The only thing out of the first movie that I can recall, because I hated the first movie, is the the girl that uh, Craig Robinson is having sex with. That's topless. Turns out to be uh, she went on to be on Mad Men, oh. playing Don Draper's wife. Oh, so that's like the the cultural touchstone. I actually didn't mind the first one. I hated. The first oh, one. I didn't like it either. But a lot of people did. McFarlane USA also opens next week. And um, there might be an independent straggler somewhere, but those are kind of the two. So it's going to be a banner show because, uh, like, the Duff comes out, but they're not screening that, I don't think. They're not screening the Duff? Designated designated Ugly Fat Friend? Uh, that's what it stands for. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to see if, if, if we have any on the calendar uh, indies coming out. Um, you know, just talk amongst yourselves. Um, and we still can't make our special announcement, can we? Uh, let's just do it. Go for it. So, um, 
we're going to do this because we've printed posters, for God's sake. It's going to happen. <laughs> uh, we're just waiting for the, the ticket link to go up, in which you'll be able to find at cinesnob.net slash events, and also we will be plugging the living hell out of it. So Follow us on Facebook. It's going to be very hard to miss. Um, so uh, we've been trying, I've been trying for a while to, to um, have us have our own film series of some kind um, where we would get to pick movies, show them, make events out of it. And so we're finally getting to do it um, on Wednesday, March 4th at 7.30 p.m. at Alamo Drafthouse Westlakes. We will be presenting a very special free screening of a documentary called The King of Kong. Um, it is my personal favorite documentary of all time. Um, if you don't know what it's about, it's about uh, competitive kind of like vintage arcade gaming and it is a battle for the Donkey Kong world record between uh, a guy named Steve Wiebe and the infamous Billy Mitchell. Uh, it's hilarious. It's great. Um, and um, special announcement, double special. Super special. Super special. We are going to have a video Q&A with the star of the movie, Steve Wiebe. He will be joining us um, a little bit before and we'll be uh, playing it on the screen, but you will be able to submit questions uh, if you want us to ask Steve a question, and you'll find the details of that um, and how to do that coming up very shortly. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, today, hopefully by tomorrow the ticket link will be up. You can reserve your tickets. It's completely free. This is in San Antonio, by the way, yeah. if, you're not, if, you're, if you're a listener out of town. Alamo Drafthouse Westlakes, the original Alamo Drafthouse in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have a few posters on hand, uh, that you can purchase. Got a great design from my friend, Scott Fuller, uh, used to live here in San Antonio and now lives in Seattle. He's an artist, came up with a, he had a great, uh, King of Kong poster design that's full of quotes from the movie, including our uh, favorite, uh, Donkey Kong kill screen. Yes. Uh, and he was kind enough to, uh, to, uh, augment the design to feature our logo and uh, events, and we'll have some of those posters on hand for sale. Yeah, and you'll you'll be able to see that we'll post a design sometime next week. Not at first. We, we want to save that. Um, but um, and also, uh, you know, I guess giveaways we'll, we'll have. We'll have tickets for Hot Tub Time Machine too this week. We'll also have tickets for Focus going up soon. Um, lots of free stuff. We have a new banner on the way. So if you're at screenings, you can check out our new banner. We're uh, partnering with uh, Big Bob's Burgers here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be giving away passes there. Uh, pretty much whenever we have some hard passes to give away, yeah, uh, you'll be able to get them at Big Bob's Burgers locations. Rock hard passes. Lots of exciting stuff happening, guys. Right. And uh, speaking of this week, I'll be a guest on the Gonzo NSA show, uh, another podcast in town. I'll be talking Oscars. I'll be talking how much bullshit uh, statistics are. <laughs> You know what? You should talk statistics because it's a goddamn sports show. So uh, you might want to not be like, oh, statistics mean nothing. That's my Jared impression. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Thank you. Uh, like, I've been working on it like in front of the mirror for six, seven months. <laughs> wow. I've been crafting it. You know, that's how, you know, basically I have all of this evidence because we have like uh, months and months of podcasts and you know how impressionists listen to tapes. They record people's voices and then they try to mimic Did you them. like edit my voice into sentences like they like they keep doing with uh, President Obama, like making him sing songs? Yes, <laughs> I did. Uh, copiously, actually. I have you reading the entire uh, War and Peace um 
I would I would prefer Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, well, let me I add a few words. I need you to say butt plugs a few times. <laughs> uh, butt plugs, um, anal lube, <laughs> uh, whip. And by the way, if you have any edits of Jared saying these things, and you now want to use them for blackmail, did you ever did you ever listen to the to the original Ricky Gervais show podcast? No, back this is like ten years ago. This is the introduction of you know you're familiar with uh, Carl Pilkington, yes. Uh, this was kind of the intro to of the world. This is how Carl Pilkington was introduced upon the world. It was Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant, and this guy Carl Pilkington, who was their producer, did. I guess one of the proto kind of first podcasts that became viral. And uh, the one week, because uh, Carl Pilkington is just sort of this, he's not a dummy for real, but he just kind of is a, has a strange worldview. Yes. And he talked about how he could, uh, <laughs> it was about how he could suck a guy's dick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in, in British, he called it, he said, I'll, I could eat a knob at night. <laughs> um <laughs> And then the next week, by the next week, they got just dozens of remixes of him saying that email to them, like working <laughs> that into like a club mix music. <laughs> That's awesome. It was great. Um, so yeah, uh, listen to uh, that show. I'll be a guest on the Gonzo NSA show. And please come out to the King of Kong screening. Um, March 4th. Put it on your calendars now. We really want to keep doing this. We, wanna, we want this to become a thing. And so... Um, are you okay? Especially if, if you I haven't looking, seen... <clears throat> I don't know what I was doing. I was looking through my pop filter with one eye like it was a scope. <laughs> Especially if you haven't seen the movie. I mean, don't yeah. think docu- documentary uh, Big Boar... Um, it's super entertaining. Head. It's, it's about, uh, you know, classic video gaming and kind of the strange subculture that uh, this guy Steve Weeby ran into when it, it came to... Uh, and it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's really funny and it has larger-than-life characters in it. Um, you, will, you will leave... Um, wondering uh about this whole i guess the whole the, i guess team billy mitchell you'll be kind of like what the hell is this all about billy mitchell has the g- most glorious mullet it's a great head of hair it is uh, <laughs> i mean it's it's amazing how glorious that head of hair is yeah it's beautiful and he sells hot sauce too yeah anyway uh no it's a great movie and you'll want to play donkey kong when you're done Heck yeah. And you'll so. also, you know, the, 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 I guess the appeal of having Steve Wiebe uh, may not, if you haven't seen the movie, you're like, eh, who cares? When you see this movie, uh, you will be very happy that Steve is joining us. Steve is, is in the film uh, kind of a, an, an every guy. Yeah. Um, who just happened to be really good at Donkey Kong. And like I mentioned, he, he tries to enter this world. Uh, to get his world his world record at Donkey Kong made official by uh, uh, Twin Galaxies, it's an organization that that documents this stuff, uh, and just kind of the weird bureaucracy of uh, of gaming nerds and just old friends that he runs into uh, is is a pretty fascinating tale of of a subculture that I didn't really know existed uh, until this film came out, and then. I, I've mentioned the companion film that I like to put with this is Chasing Ghosts mm-hmm. uh, that kind of explores the origins of that whole thing. But anyway, we're going to be showing The King of Kong. A Fistful of Quarters is the subtitle of that. March 4th, mark your calendars. Anything else? No. No? Uh, oh, yeah, we're going to have a – you mentioned we're going to have a new banner, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. 
That's going to get people to come out. Like, hey, guys, we got a three by five banner. (laughs) (laughs) We should have some sort of contest if people take pictures with the banner. Like they do at the screenings where it's like, tweet this picture of you with this still that we have, and you could win a Fifty Shades of Grey Fuzzy bottle of anal lube. Penis whip. <laughs> there you go. Penis whip. That ought to complete it. Right? I like we, how we all Penis picked whip. a different Penis uh, sex toy. Penis. All right, Cody. It's your last chance. Oh, God. I closed down the thing. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. What about like like wild berries? No. No? I got to go with another one? <laughs> yeah. Wild fish. Uh, uh, um. The theory of um, uh, <laughs> every thin mints, mints, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? Come on, come on, come on! I don't like being put on the spot. Uh, still, sell mashed potatoes. Still olives, yeah. <laughs> still olives. I guess so. It's close. <laughs> there was one that. Uh, what did I have? I had one that had tripe in it. What was it? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, damn. American Triper was it. Oh, one. yeah. Uh, That's about it. Yeah, this is this how is about tough. how about it's just a chicken? Mm-hmm. But you call it bird, man. <laughs> <laughs> or the unexpected virtue of like a uh, 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 rotisserie. Jeez. <laughs> Anyway, oh, this, is uh, bad. this is really, really all bad. All right. If you want to email us, you can uh, send an email to podcast at cinestop.net. You can also call us, 920-FILM-210, 920-3456-210. Leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, got any ideas for Oscar dishes with uh, clever names? Email us, podcast at cinestop.net. If we make your dish, we'll tell you how it tastes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's good incentive. (laughs) Anyway, on that note, I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.